Today's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and the Roger Hoover Podcast is proud to be part of the River City Rogue Podcast Network. For the best local blogs, vlogs, and podcasts on sports culture and entertainment, head to rivercityrogue.com. Bold views from the bold city and beyond. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover, and welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. I'm recording this on Thursday, September 14th, 2017, from my Tuscaloosa, Alabama studios. And welcome to this episode of the podcast that features a conversation with Stuart Weber of Action Sports Jacks. He and I break down the Tennessee-Florida game that's coming up this upcoming Saturday as Florida, of course, the alma mater of Stuart Weber, and of course, Tennessee, my alma mater. But I hope everyone's doing well, especially uh, everyone in Jacksonville that's listening to this podcast. Uh, Tough to see what happened to our city over the weekend with Hurricane Irma and the flooding that came into downtown, uh, part of town where I live during the baseball season. And I know there was some flood damage as well at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville where the Jumbo Shrimp play, and I'm privileged to work for the most part during the baseball season. But I know the city is, of course, the bold new city of the South, and I'm already very impressed by the recovery efforts that have been done by citizens of Jacksonville. I think the local government has done a fantastic job first in evacuating the people that needed to get out and really helping everybody now in this time of rebuilding and getting Jacksonville ready to shine like the great city that it is. So certainly my thoughts and prayers to everyone that's still recovering from the after effects of Hurricane Irma, and uh, coming up in a moment, even Stuart will talk about some of the things that he saw is he did not really get to be a sports reporter over the weekend, but he was also covering the storm with the Action News Jacks team. Jumbo Shrimp Baseball has come to a close. It was a very fun season of Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Baseball, the inaugural year known as the Jumbo Shrimp. It did come to an end in the South Division Championship Series with Pensacola sweeping the Jumbo Shrimp. And with that, the Blue Wahoos became Southern League co-champions along with the champions of the North Division, the Chattanooga Lookouts, as Hurricane Irma canceled the Southern League Championship Series. But uh, still a very fun season. And I really got to thank manager Randy Reddy and the players for an incredible Incredible first year. Uh, they did a great job winning the second half, and that second half pennant chase is among the most fun stretches I've ever had in baseball. So really cool to get to be a part of that, and I'll share more thoughts on the Jumbo Shrimp coming up in future episodes. But great accolades as well for the Jumbo Shrimp coming yesterday from the Southern League of Professional Baseball. First of all, how about the Jimmy Bragan Executive of the Year, Harold Craw. Great job by Harold as he took over with the Jacksonville Suns back in 2015 was the first hire that Ken Babby made for the Jacksonville Suns and then really uh, helped lead not only our front office last year and the final year of the Suns, but I mean, all the rebrand was really done by him and really led by him. And I really can't say enough about the great job that Harold continues to do as the general manager of the Jumbo Shrimp. Congrats as well to Jacksonville for winning the Don Mincher Organization of the Year trophy and also the promotional trophy in the Southern League. It was a really great day yesterday to see those honors roll in from the Southern League and to be part of an award-winning season uh, makes it even that much better. The fact that it was a great year on and off the field for the Jumbo Shrimp really makes it a very special 2017 season. Once the season was done, I headed back to Alabama and also to avoid the storm, but now got some volleyball, some soccer coming up for both Tennessee and Alabama in the next few weeks. 
this is kind of a light time of the year for me, so I'm going to be able to produce some more podcasts as I only have a few games coming up during the week. I will head back to Florida next week for the off-site retreat for the Jumbo Shrimp as we review 2017 and then start planning for 2018. So I've got some traveling coming up. Uh, still hoping to get to Miami at some point for some baseball games. Still haven't planned that out exactly, but would love to see the Miami Marlins who are continuing their 2017 season. But, of course, college football is well and underway, and, of course, I love keeping up with my alma mater, the Tennessee Volunteers, who enter the Florida game 2-0, and had that really hard-pounding comeback win against Georgia Tech on Labor Day from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, was able to watch all of that game, was able to watch all of Saturday's game against Indiana State as well as Quentin Normandy, quarterback, continued getting more comfortable at seeing running the offense. We also saw Jarrett Garantano, and I thought he looked sharp in some of the drives he had, especially that last touchdown pass he had was really sharp. I think Dormady's going to play most of the game coming up on Saturday against the Gators, but so we've seen you always need really two quarterbacks that are able to go in and get the job done in order to compete in the Southeastern Conference. But last year, Stuart Weber and I had a really fun conversation previewing the Tennessee and Florida game. Game. And at that point, of course, Tennessee had lost 11 games in a row, and we went through each and every game of the losing streak and gave some personal memories to that as well. But uh, this year, it's a little different as Tennessee won last season, and the Volunteers have some good momentum, I believe, going into this game in the Swamp in Gainesville and trying to pick up a win in the Swamp for the first time since 2003. So here's my conversation with Stewart as we get ready for the Florida and Tennessee rivalry in 2017. <laughs> All right, joined now by Stuart Weber, and Stuart, for so long, 11 years, really everything was equal in this rivalry, but then last year you came on the Roger Hoover podcast and uh, everything changed Tennessee's way. I mean, do Florida fans hate you knowing that? Yeah, probably, and yet here I am back again for, for another year to talk about this glorious matchup. <laughs> yes, uh, quite a barn burner we should be in store for on Saturday in the Swamp. Are you going, first of all? Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, myself, along with Dan Hicken, will be there. And uh, we're, we're sending the A-team, let's just say that, to go make sure the, the good things get done. We send the Gators to cover the Gators. And uh, and hopefully things go right this year. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Gator Nation isn't exactly at its most optimistic at the moment. Yeah, certainly not. And this has really been a weird week for Florida, of course, dealing with uh, Hurricane Irma and Gainesville as well. Uh, just how much do you know about what Hurricane Irma did to Gainesville over the past weekend? I'm pretty sure they've gotten a little bit of flooding out there. I feel like Jacksonville probably got hit a little bit worse just because we got the, the worst corner of the storm. Uh, that northeast corner of Irma was really the one that brought the, the rain and the winds more so than uh, the area that rolled straight over Gainesville. I know the stadium's fine. Um, from what I can tell, Gainesville made it through all right. Obviously, they're still dealing with power issues there and some flooding issues here and there as well. But uh, for the most part, I think I think Gainesville was all right. Well, we'll see. Obviously, we'll see when we head down there on Saturday. Absolutely. Did a lot of Florida players evacuate? Did a lot of people get out of Gainesville uh, like a lot of people did in Jacksonville, just evacuated, got out of town? Yeah, I'm not sure how many people left Gainesville. I know a lot of the folks down in South Florida, down in Miami, were the ones that really evacuated. Here in Jacksonville, uh, you had some, but really uh, not not as many evacuated as probably did with Matthew, if I had to guess, simply because 
all the the Matthew stuff from a year ago was all towards the beach, and that whole area evacuated. Here, uh, St. Augustine area, they all had to evacuate, but uh, for the most part, it, it wasn't as much of an evacuation as it was a year ago for Hurricane Matthew. Uh, the rain, though, uh, really did hit pretty hard here in Jacksonville, bringing a lot of flooding in uh, Riverside and, and downtown and things of that sort just because of the river. It, it was more flooding from the river than it was from the ocean like it was a year ago. Yeah, that was certainly tough to watch, and uh, I mentioned it in a tweet over the weekend. I mean, I'm amazed at the job that you guys did with Action uh, News Jacks and all the TV stations, Florida Times Union in town. Uh, we can just go ahead and dive right in. What was the last weekend like for you? You're typically a sports reporter, but really this was all hands on deck for this storm. Yeah, when you get into these sort of situations, uh, obviously there are no sports to cover for us, so we uh, we essentially become extra hands uh, extra, you know, whatever they need us to be at that point, uh, whether it be bringing water out to folks on the set, going out to a place that's being undercovered in the storm, uh, shooting something here and there. Really, you kind of do whatever you can do to help out with the coverage because at that point, essentially our newsroom goes into two teams, red team, blue team, 12 on, 12 off. So uh, you're working for 12 hours and you're off for 12 hours and you're kind of shifting back and forth. And so for us in the sports department, you know, we kind of uh, tried to pitch in however we could, uh, went and covered a few things here and there, uh, and really just kind of spell those news reporters and meteorologists who are really uh, grinding away and out there in the rain. Uh, so it, it's it's interesting. It's different for us from a you know sports people perspective just because we never have to do that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, if, if I could stick with sports, I'll, I'll stick with sports. So if if less hurricanes could come through here, that'd be that'd be fine, all right, too, by me. Sure. Where were some of the different areas you went to? I was down by uh, Clark's Fish Camp. Uh, that's a spot that uh, folks in Jacksonville know pretty well uh, because it's right on the water, and so because it's right on the water, it always floods. That's uh, a well-known fact that it's going to flood, no matter really what happens. Even if it's a light rain, it's probably going to flood. Uh, but the residents there were saying that was the highest the water had been there. And, you know, the nine years they lived there. So certainly a good deal of flooding coming there. By the way, Clark's Fish Camp, uh, once it does reopen, has the, depending on your vantage point, coolest or creepiest taxidermy collection. Uh, I don't know if it's in the world, but it might be. It is. I kind of tend towards coolest, but uh, it's definitely odd. You know, it depends on the, yeah. the type of person. You know, uh, yeah. I, I leave that up to the, the listener to decide. I've taken a couple dates there that did not share my opinion. I'll say that. See, that's not a that's not a place I would take a date. If, yeah, if you're asking me now, a relationship, sure, but when you're first getting started, you don't want to scare them off with taxidermy. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just me. They do have a live gator though that does live there. So I haven't seen cool. that. Wow. Yeah, they have a little uh, gator display with a, a nice gator in there for them. Uh, so I was down by that area, then a little bit down in St. Johns County, down State Road 13, where. Uh, they deal with a lot of trees down, a lot of flooding as well. Um, and so, you know, just some of the so the less hit areas of, of Jacksonville. And you got to be really proud of the job your news team was able to do. I mean, you guys are pretty well known for the coverage of just all around hard-hitting news coverage, whether it's breaking news, uh, covering the courts, or anything like that. But you got to be really proud of your team right now. Yeah, no, they, they worked their tails off for this this entire storm, and that's and that's really what we've come to expect from our news department is, is they get after it. You know, they 
they find the right angles, the the way to cover to cover the storm and keep people safe, and they do a great job of it. So, uh, you know, shout out to them and, and shout out to our company, uh, Cox Media Group, for giving us the resources to be able to do it. Having something like the Storm Tracker, which if you don't know what it is, it's like a a Jeep four by four that's heavily fortified to be able to go into these uh, deep water weather situations and to be able to cover a storm like nobody else can and you know these resources that we get from the company are uh, very helpful in times like this when's the next day off for mike burrish oh that's a good question he's probably off uh, this weekend if i had to guess uh yeah. if yeah usually he's off saturday and sunday so i'm guessing they'll probably try and resume him back to his normal schedule at that point he uh, he was losing his voice by the end of it suffice <laughs> to say because uh you know those the meteorologists end up having to talk quite a bit especially once you go into tornado warnings and things of that sort absolutely and then uh different as well for you guys i guess not to be in houston with the jaguars this last weekend yeah for me and brent we were here uh back in jacksonville uh dan hicken and marcel robinson the rest of our team was with the jaguars in houston uh they went out there with them and had to stay out there all the way through tuesday uh, because the team did so we were flying with the team and uh they stayed out there a couple extra days so uh we were it's the weirdest thing where, you know, the Jags go and get one of the best wins they've had since <laughs> I've been here, and probably the best win since I've been here. This is my sixth season covering them. First time they've won a season opener since then. Um, and we don't even get to talk about it at all. <laughs> yeah, because uh, so no sportscasts at all on Sunday we, night. We had no sportscasts all the way up until I think yesterday was the first time we got sports back in the show. And so we weren't able to talk about it one iota. Uh, so it was... Uh, <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. That's that's how that that unfolds. But uh, happy to see the Jaguars do that, and we got we got a doubleheader, so to speak, of Florida versus Tennessee this weekend. So uh, Saturday, Gators and Vols. Sunday, Titans and Jags here at Everbank Field. I know it's making it all more tempting for me to come back to Florida a couple days earlier, but uh, so far I'm still holding off uh, as I finally get back after the Jumbo Shrimp had to have an extended road trip uh, due to Hurricane Irma and see their season come up a little bit short. I know you're uh, still proud of the Jumbo Shrimp, though, for this year. Always proud of the Jumbo Shrimp, Roger. That is a well-known fact. Crustacean Nation living large. I was a little disappointed that we lost that game three. I was I was excited about getting a chance to see them in some playoff baseball, but obviously it makes sense. you gotta you got to do what's right in the name of safety and uh, and that's what happened. The, the co-champions thing's a little weird, though. But Yeah, it I, certainly I it. was. Yeah, and the players learned about it really quickly before Game 1 of the playoff series in Pensacola. So uh, it, it was quite a distraction, I would say, over the the three games that Jacksonville played. I don't really think it showed up in a baseball way, but everything before and after the game was hurricane coverage for these guys. And you know, so many of them had belongings still in Jacksonville, a lot from South Florida. So that was it was a very odd, confusing time over the past few days. Yeah, for everybody. Uh, and certainly sports always takes a backseat to personal safety and things of that sort when you get to uh, hurricane coverage. So uh, we're just glad to have all made it through. And now we can get back to our normal sports-loving lives. And get back to Tennessee and Florida. Yeah, <laughs> as the Vols and the Gators will play this uh, Saturday, and you can watch it if you're in Jacksonville, of course, on Action Sports Jacks. CBS 47 carrying the game, of course, at 3:30, and then we'll have our uh, post-game show right afterwards. We do it every week from whenever the 3:30 game ends to 8 o'clock. We call it SEC Tonight, and when it's an SEC game involving the Gators, it's great because we can uh, really go in depth on it. We'll have live reports, live 
uh, post-game press conferences from Gainesville on the show, so uh, be sure to tune in for that on Saturday on CBS 47, game at 3.30, and then right afterwards we'll get you covered with post-game from Gainesville as well as the rest of the SEC and all-around college football. Now, I remember we talked about this last year. How often were you guys able to do SEC tonight with the CBS game many times, stretching way longer than you expected? Half the time, probably. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got we got a few shows blown out just by long, long games. But uh, crazy enough, last week that Arkansas TCU game was over before seven. It went under three and a half hours, which is bizarre for these SEC games. So sure. maybe they changed something this year. I don't know. Hard to tell. Maybe Vern isn't talking as long, and that's why. <laughs> you never know. Uh, but we'll we'll get a good a good uh, gauge on it this week with Florida Tennessee to see how long. Uh, these games are really going to go this week because that one was it was low scoring for the most part uh, last week, and I didn't get a chance to see all that much of it. But it was kind of a blah blah game. Yeah, TCU I, I didn't Arkansas. watch any of it. Yeah, Tennessee was playing at the time. I had to watch the Vols play uh, Indiana State. It was a real thriller. Yeah, I didn't get to watch us play Northern Colorado, which I think hurts us for this game against Tennessee. If you if you ask me, that we missed that matchup. <laughs> well, what do you think of the Gators' first matchup against Michigan? Were you able to watch that? Yeah, I watched a, a good chunk of that one against uh, Michigan. I was here in Jacksonville, kind of holding down the fort while we had crews both there and in Atlanta for Florida State's game against Alabama. Um, so I was a good, had a chance to watch most of it. Uh, we, the offense was absent, uh, suffice to say. Uh, tough to do anything when you don't have an offense. The only times in the end zone were the two pick sixes. And eventually that defense just got overwhelmed by having to be out there too much, as, as we've seen over the years with the Jaguars these past couple of years. You know, you can have a great defense, but if the offense is doing nothing and leaving your defense out there the whole time, they're going to get tired, they're going to get exposed. And that's certainly what happened against a more physical, you know, bigger, tougher team in Michigan. And for Gator fans, they're really hoping that uh, Michigan is a national championship caliber team because otherwise, what's it say about you that you're getting pushed around by some Big Ten team? Uh, now, personally, I think Michigan's going to have a pretty good year, yeah. and I certainly hope so, because uh, if you're going to lose, you want to lose to somebody good and, and say, all right, we took some lumps, we learned a little bit from it, um, but we'll see. We'll see in the long run with that one. Uh, but yeah, there was certainly a lot, of, a lot of issues with the Gators against Michigan, and uh, what was supposed to be the strength in the offensive line turned out not to be a strength, at least against Michigan's uh, big, bad defensive line, so... Uh, we'll be curious to see how they do against in-conference opponents, especially starting with Tennessee this week. And quarterback play will obviously dictate a lot as well. Uh, so I, I really think that's where we, we as the Gators are hurting heading into Tennessee. Uh, Felipe Franks needed this game against Northern Colorado. He needed a game against an inferior opponent to, to kind of get his feet under him a little bit before taking on Tennessee. That's my opinion. How concerning are the issues on offense? Because, I mean, that had been basically the talking point for Gator fans all leading up to the Michigan game is can we finally take a step forward on offense this year? Then you see a game like that. You see Franks have some inconsistencies. Uh, I mean, how concerned are Florida fans with the job that Jim McElwain's doing at the moment? Yeah, they've been concerned about it the entire time he's been there. Uh, It's year three. You can have two SEC East championship years. But if you're an offensive guru and you're going to solve the offense and bring improved quarterback play, you have to actually do that. That's, I mean, those, those defensive players, that, that great defense, that was already there when you got there. Uh, Will Muschamp, awful coach, great recruiter. 
Uh, and he couldn't you know, coach offense either. That was the he couldn't coach offense. Yeah, that was either, the main exactly. thing during his tenure. But he left a terrific defense full of great players, and that showed the last two years. Now McElwain has continued to recruit great defensive players, and they've come in and jump right in and get it, keep that train moving. And he's starting to recruit some great offensive players. You're you're seeing it with like Matt Corral, uh, the quarterback from California, who's coming next year. But he's coming next year. We're worried about this year. That's <laughs> that's what Felipe Franks is here for. And to pull him at the halfway point of that game against Michigan and then not bring him in after Malik Zaire wasn't doing anything, he's clearly not the answer. Uh, that was an interesting decision in my mind. I would have put Felipe Franks back in there. If you're going to lose the game, you might as well get him those reps in those last couple series or at least you know know that that's your guy moving forward. That's got to be your guy. It can't be Malik Zaire. It can't be Luke Del Rio. It's got to be Felipe Franks at this point because he's the young one. He's shown the arm talent. You saw it on a couple plays against Michigan. You saw his ability to scramble against Michigan. He's the one you need to put all the chips in behind and and hope that that's the way to go. But you're not doing the guy uh, any favors by having his two best offensive playmakers still suspended in Antonio Callaway and Jordan Scarlett. And we don't know how long that thing's going to last. If it was a two-game suspension, this is an awful time to lose your second game of the year and then have it become Tennessee. Yeah, because I saw the tweet yesterday that uh, Mac was basically saying that you know nothing has changed with the suspended players. So are we going to see those guys? You think could there be a decision made tomorrow, maybe where they're able to play against Tennessee? I doubt it. I doubt they're going to play against Tennessee. Uh, I don't. I I don't know if they're waiting for the NCAA to resolve something on the issue, or uh, if it's a two-game suspension or longer. Uh, it's hard to say at this point, simply because they haven't told us. <laughs> And the way it works now in college sports is that uh, unless the university tells you, you're not going to find out. And uh, that's kind of just the, the way it works out there right now. So, no, I, don't, I wouldn't expect them to play in this game. And, um, you know, if it's, if it's part of the, the disciplinary measures they wanted to enact, then that's, that's their own fault for missing these games and for costing their teammates the chance, uh, a, a greater chance of winning. And certainly lessons you'd like to see learned you talk about a guy like Callaway, who's had as many chances uh, as you could possibly imagine, uh, but it's 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 tough. It's tough to see uh, their teammates suffering without their top running back and top wide receiver. And then you talked about the Gators on defense against Michigan, just too much time on the field uh, against the Wolverines, but they still have a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and they, you know, they've had to deal with some injuries, uh, but. When, when you have the depth that they do, you, you can try and roll out the next guy and, and see what he's going to be in the future. And that's kind of what they saw a year ago in the uh, Outback Bowl against Iowa was that they had so many injured players, and then you had redshirt freshmen, true freshmen, sophomores all jumping in and making huge plays, and, and that's where you were able to see kind of that depth. And now those guys are having to be the starters this year, this time around, because uh, it's their turn. And so you, you like the defense, you like what they can do, uh, you just hope that they can do it for a full 60 minutes and get some help from that offense. Well, last year, Florida had a 21 nothing lead in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium. I was there. Uh, I didn't ever get close to leaving. I know a few of my friends did leave the ball game last year and then kind of hurried back once the comeback began. But 38, I know, 38 points in a row for Tennessee to really take hold of that thing. Just what was your reaction last year to Tennessee's comeback? Uh, I wasn't happy. <laughs> uh, no, uh, 
I mean, props to Tennessee for for sticking in there and you know and coming back and being able to turn it around in that game. Uh, you talk about uh, going all the mojo going against you. You have the, the long streak against you, and then uh, to trail by that many points, but to still believe that uh, you can turn it around and come back. That was a great performance by them. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens this year. It, it's such a it's such a weird spot for, for Gator fans because. You know, you're you're so downtrodden, you're so upset, but you know what? We're playing Tennessee, so we're going to win this week. Yeah, it really is an interesting mindset, uh, and I kind of even saw this with the Jumbo Shrimp uh, in our games in Pensacola. Like, you know, you can use sports to really get fired up and put all your energies toward that, but in a lot of ways, I thought it was tough for at least our team to kind of shift their focus once it was truly game time and really get locked in. I mean, we have really no idea what to expect from Florida, I feel like, with all these distractions. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, just because you don't know, you don't know how many of these guys live in in South Florida and maybe had a house flooded, or uh, you know, know their families are dealing with some pretty pretty intense stuff right now. Guys from Jacksonville, guys from Orlando, even tons of rain down there as well. I mean, when you recruit from the state of Florida and a, a natural disaster hits the entire state of Florida, uh, there's going to be things weighing on people's minds, and it's going to be interesting to see what what this Gators team comes out like. In that matchup, I'll go back to the Jags again from last week. They were playing in Houston uh, against the Texans, who you would expect would have that emotional edge, would have that uh, enormous crowd support. We thought we were going into a hornet's nest in Mm -hmm. that game uh, just because of everything that's happened in Houston, um, while at the same time stuff was happening in Jacksonville. But then the Jaguars go out there and they do what they did. Now, that's partially because the Texans don't look like they're going to be that good on the offensive side of the ball. Especially the line. (laughs) Especially the line. Good gravy. Um, that never helps when your top offensive lineman is holding out. Uh, good job there, Houston. Way to, <laughs> way to get that taken care of. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, you wonder what the emotional distractions can do to a team. It can take it one way or it could take it the other way. And uh, we'll see how this how this Gator squad rallies behind it. It was, it was a weird press conference yesterday, man. I'll tell you what, with Jim McElwain. He, he was, was somber. So yeah. somber. He I mean, you thought someone had kicked old Clarabelle in the in the hindquarters or something, because uh, he was just he was not in a good place yesterday. I'll say that. Just having watched a little bit of it yesterday, I mean, oh, I I don't know. It's it's weird. And you got Doug Nussmeyer, the offensive coordinator, moving from the ground level to up in the box. What's I feel that like that's do? always a panic move. Uh, I never like seeing move. that stuff during the season. Yeah, and you know what? If you if it's going to be that, just take the play calling away from him. I don't know. It's a bit of a Hail Mary, uh, but at the same time, you, your offense needs a Hail Mary at this point sure. based on based on what we saw. And I think the, the best way to punctuate this uh, topic is uh, they did receive some hurricane damage at the uh, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, the inside where it says Florida Field on the facade uh, had a couple letters uh, ripped down. So now in Florida Field, the only letters that were missing were O and D. Not even kidding. The O's and the D's in Florida Field were ripped off the facade. So now the Gators are without O and D. Oh. You can't make this stuff up. Well, I guess in Steve Spurrier's name, you get ST special teams. Yeah, that's that'll help. That'll help, yeah. That's sure, why not? Always special one of the big teams. differences in the game. So Yeah, it always <laughs> is. Uh, who knows, but... Uh, we are missing the the guy who basically beat Tennessee two years ago, and Antonio Callaway with that uh, dramatic end of the game play. 
Yeah, Will Greer too. Yeah, Will Greer as well. We we don't want to say his name. Will Greer. <laughs> well, Over you- in West West Virginia throwing for thousands of yards and touchdowns. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, are you concerned about Tennessee? I didn't, were you able to watch the Georgia Tech game? Or, uh, can I did. Check I, I was day? watching and hoping that Georgia Tech would win, obviously. Um, but not because of my hatred for Tennessee. Uh, more so because I wanted to rub it in Malik Jackson's face. Oh, uh, yeah. Jack, Jaguars defensive tackle, who was uh, spouting off at the mouth and continued to do so this week with a, a gator hanging from a noose in his locker. Love that. Uh, no, I don't love it, but you know, I was I was so excited about getting to go into the uh, into the locker room after they got beat by Georgia Tech, and then the Yellow Jackets blew it. Because uh, you have to admit, it was more the Yellow Jackets blowing it than Tennessee winning it. Yeah, if there's not uh, that late turnover, Georgia Tech wins. I mean, if they just maintain kick the field goal, kick the field goal yeah. at the end, and you win. I don't yeah. know, they're smart kids; they should know this. Georgia Tech, uh, what a rambling wreck. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> They didn't get the job done, so now we got to get the job done this week. Uh, but no, I was watching it. Uh, I mean, yeah, Tennessee's Tennessee's got the playmakers there. What what are you champions of life? Champions of life, yes. Yeah, I and, heard Malik you know, say that, that the other day. Champions that resiliency of life. showed up in the Georgia Tech game because the champion of life would not have come back and won that game. Yeah, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see about it. I mean, Tennessee is always going to have talented players, and and they do again this year. So. Uh, you match your talent against our talent, and you see who comes out on top at the end. That's the that's the fun of college football when you're talking about rivalries and, and two teams that are going to be good every single year uh, in Florida and Tennessee. It's not like it's Florida-Kentucky where we win every year without thinking about it. It's Florida-Tennessee. It's supposed to be a good game. It's supposed to be a game that makes you sweat a little bit in the good way and make you get anxious in a good way and get excited about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to be down on the field with a camera on my shoulder and wearing my blue and bringing the – Bring in the luck, because well, we always wear blue for one thing. Our Action Sports Jacks polos are blue, and of course, uh, Gator fans have been encouraged to wear blue for this game against Tennessee. Are they going to wear normal uniforms? Is it going to be the orange helmet, the blue jersey, and the white pants at least? Yeah, I haven't seen what they're going to wear yet. What they're going to what they're going to trot out, um, but I hopefully not the all blue they had against Michigan. Let's go ahead and retire. I just don't like one. the white helmets. You don't like the white helmets? I no. like the white helmets. And I mean, I that's, like that was the toughest part about last year's game was Tennessee was in all gray, Florida's yeah. in all white. It didn't look like a Tennessee-Florida game. Yeah, it game. looked like crap. Um, but, yeah, I've, I, I actually like the white helmet. Uh, I've, I've always liked that different look to it, personally. Uh, I I like the the old-school white helmet that they'd have with the, the single block F on the yeah, side. Yeah, I did like that, yeah. I like that one that they rolled out a few years ago against Alabama, I believe. They played them with that helmet, and... We'll see. We'll see what they go with. I, I mean, you can never go wrong with the classic looks, and we'll see what we'll see what they happen. All right. Now, the winner of this game will the winner of this game win the SEC East, in your opinion? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think Georgia's too good. So you think if Georgia will beat Tennessee and Florida? Yeah, I think so. Um, based on based on what we've seen from them so far, um, just with Nick and Nick Chubb and uh, Sony Michelle, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is because both of them are. Good. I mean, Jake and Jake and Jacob, Jake from State Farm. You know, they're they're pretty good. They they got some good players over there at Georgia now. Uh, we'll see what happens. I I think uh, I could still see the Gators beating them here, but at the same time, I could see them beating us. It's it's going to be another one of those toss ups that that who knows what's going to happen. But as of right now, based on what I've seen on the field so far, I would still take I would take Georgia right now to win the SEC East. Uh, We'll see what happens. I, I 
I'm up. South Carolina looks good too. No, they don't. Shut up. I don't know. I mean, they get some solid quarterback play. Will Muschamp knows how to coach a defense, as you guys know. Come on. Against (laughs) NC State, they ran the ball for 31 yards, man. That's not going to work against SEC teams. Oh, it could be interesting. Is that game in Gainesville or Columbia this year? Uh, I think that one's in Columbia. I think every other one is in Gainesville for us. I know Texas A&M, LSU, Florida State, Tennessee, all in Gainesville this year. That works out pretty well. The best home slate of games for Gator fans ever. Uh, just because of last year's uh, LSU debacle. Sure. So, uh, yeah, home, home fans in, in Gainesville are going to get a bunch of great games this year. Now, one last thing for my Tennessee friends that are making the trip down to Gainesville. Sure. Where are the places they should go food-wise, drink-wise? You know, where are they going to be okay? And are they going to be treated nicely by the Gator fans? At their tailgate? <laughs> stick to the parking lot. <laughs> Maybe stick to the parking lot? No, uh... It's I don't know I don't I don't know what the the Gator fans are like these days you know how how these fan bases can shift around with how they are towards opposing fans I've never had an issue with opposing fans I always like it when they come and you know contribute to your economy and come check out your game day experience I've always loved that but people are idiots out there in this world you know that uh, I'd say though you know you go to you go to some restaurants uh, you want to go to Leonardo's Pizza that's a good one right. Right there by the campus, uh, the swamp right across the street from the campus has a good restaurant as well. But yeah, uh, if you if you want safety, stick to the tailgate is what I'd say. Stick to the tailgate, maybe wear white instead of orange, but uh, no, wear your orange. Wear your orange. You got to wear you got to wear your orange. I mean, shoot, you're gonna you're gonna wear it on Friday when you go hunt. You're gonna wear it on Saturday when you go to the game, and then you're gonna wear it on Sunday when you're picking up trash on the side of the road. It's just the orange that you guys wear all weekend long. Get used to it. I, I do. We, we wear that orange half the time, too. <laughs> well, Stuart, fun to catch up. Uh, maybe this will become a yearly tradition, uh, again, certainly last year, to help Tennessee have that great comeback win against the Florida Gators. But uh, always fun to catch up. And, again, you guys have some great coverage coming up this weekend on Action Sports Jacks, not just for Tennessee, Florida, but I know a ton of Jags coverage as well. Tons of Jags coverage. Heck, we got high school football tomorrow. It's really only one game in town, but we're going to blow it out of the water with Bowles and Trinity. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and uh, then on Saturday, Gators falls three thirty. CBS forty seven. We'll have the post game coverage on SEC tonight, following the game, and then Action Sports Jacks primetime breaks it all down in the evening hours as well. So, yeah, we got a we got a good one lined up for this weekend. Glad to get back to football. Glad to get back to talking about the things that you know we like to talk about instead of storms. And uh, if the Gators lose this weekend, I'm never coming on this podcast again. All right, famous last words, but thanks, Stuart. Go Vols. All right, have a good one, Hoof. Fun conversation with Stuart Weber, and I urge all of you to check out his coverage of Florida and Tennessee on Action Sports Jackson. Also, even if you're not in the Jacksonville area, go online to Action News Jackson. Catch all of their coverage there. They are some of the absolute best in town. So really appreciate him for coming on and breaking down Tennessee and Florida. And even if the Vols win, I believe we'll probably be able to talk him into at least a five-minute conversation getting ready for the 2018 game in Knoxville. But I'm hopeful that this will be another good Saturday for 
for the Volunteers against the Florida Gators and to start 3-0 and be in the driver's seat of the SEC East. That's what Tennessee needs to do. It's what happened last year, but really would be a very good step forward for this program if they're able to beat the Gators in back-to-back years and also pick up their first win in Gainesville since 2003. So I'm looking forward to the game. Just a relaxing weekend coming up. And then, as I mentioned before, heading back to Florida for the off-site retreat for the Jumbo Shrimp. we got some cool things in store. We'll have some cool things coming up on the podcast as well. I recorded some really good interviews in the second half that I wasn't able to have on the podcast at that time of the year, but we will have more podcasts coming up as this is kind of my downtime of the year. So really looking forward to sharing some cool stories and interviews with you over the next few weeks. Until then, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee waltz. Only you know how much I have lost Yes, I lost my little darling The night they were playing That beautiful tune 